Britain's Conversation. This is LBC with Tom Swarbrick. It is Friday. It is 10 to 6. It is LBC, which is, means it's time for one thing. It's time to kick back, chillax, and prepare for the best of the best. From Washington, D.C., this is Simon Marks' American Week. Tom, we made it through the week. The country isn't aflame, the midterm elections are behind us, or they will be if they ever finish counting the votes. The president, though, isn't waiting. A man taking a victory lap, despite the fact that the Democrats haven't actually won. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. He sounded at his Wednesday press conference like a man who thinks the threat to American democracy is over, in much the same way as a few weeks ago he said the COVID-19 pandemic is over. Neither assertion is true, but the president seized on the fact that the midterms failed to deliver the Republican tsunami of support that former President Donald Trump and others had predicted as evidence that the fever on America's political brow is passing. While the press and the are predicting a giant red wave, uh, it didn't happen. And I know you were somewhat miffed by my, uh, my uh, obsessive optimism, but uh, I felt good during the whole process. I thought we were going to do fine. While any seat lost is painful, some good Democrats didn't win the last night. Democrats had a strong night. Just not strong enough to retain control of the House of Representatives. Votes are still being counted, but the White House concedes the Republicans will end up with a slim majority. As for the Senate, it's completely up for grabs and maybe all the way through to a runoff election in the state of Georgia that won't happen until early December. It is true that Joe Biden is not facing the massive midterm loss of legislative seats meted out to Barack Barack Obama and Bill Clinton before him. And that's remarkable because months ago, Democrats feared their goose was cooked. But on Tuesday, concerns about democracy and abortion rights brought Democrats their own tsunami of support to the polls, saving the party from disaster. However, when January rolls around and the Republicans control the House, Joe Biden will find it much harder to get things done, even if the Democrats cling on to the Senate. What in the next two years do you intend to do differently? Nothing, because they're just finding out what we're doing. The more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is. That answer encapsulates the White House view that if only the media did a better job of explaining Biden's record to the voters, the voters would understand and love him more. In fact, two-thirds of them told exit pollsters they do not want him to seek another term in office. But for those craving generational change atop the Democratic Party, the president, who turns 80 in just nine days' time, had only bad news on Wednesday. The fact that the Democratic Party outperformed anything anyone expected is one that gives everybody like, whew, sigh of relief. When I announce, if I announce, my intention is that I run again, but I'm a great respecter of fate, and uh, this is ultimately a family decision. I think everybody wants me to run, but they're go we're going to have discussions about it. Discussions, he said, between now and Christmas last Saturday on Matt Fry's LBC program. Biden's former chief of staff, Susan Platt, told us how those conversations go. It's always come down to Jill. I remember being at his home one year when we, the, the time when I worked for him and we were talking about re-election and it ultimately comes down to two people, really. I mean, Joe Biden, yes, makes yeah. a decision, yeah. but his sister Valerie 
and his wife, Jill. The power behind the throne. At the other end of America's political spectrum, there is, of course, only one decision maker. And Donald Trump may have made a huge tactical error on Monday night at a final midterm rally in the battleground state of Ohio. So confident was he that his conspiracy theory believing election denying candidates would sweep into office all over the country that to the backing of a string orchestra, he got out in front of his own skis. I'm going to be making a very big announcement on Tuesday, November 15th at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida. 24 hours later, that didn't seem like such a sharp move. As the results started coming in, the red wave that he demanded from Republicans turned into a red trickle. He released a video while polls in some states were still open, trying to play the entirely false election fraud card all over again. They say that the machines aren't working. They say that they're running out of paper in different locations throughout different states. There's a lot of bad things going on. But the only thing that was running out was the former president's run of luck. And that became apparent several hours later in Pennsylvania. I never expected that we were going to turn these red counties blue. But we did what we needed to do. And tonight, that's why I'll be the next U.S. senator from Pennsylvania. Democrat John Fetterman easily disposing of the challenge from Trump-backed Republican candidate Dr. Mehmet Oz. All over the country, many Trump candidates found themselves either losing or in much tighter races than they expected, including former NFL star Herschel Walker down in Georgia. His Senate race against incumbent Democrat Raphael Warnock is the one heading for a December runoff, which is, in and of itself, pretty extraordinary. As regular listeners as will recall, Mr. Walker is not exactly the sharpest tool in the shed. Here he is explaining global warming to his supporters back in July. Since we don't control the air, our good air decided to float over to China, bad air. So when China gets our good air, their bad air got to move. So it moves over to our good air space. There are actually people in that crowd saying, that's right. USA Today called his mere candidacy a stain on American democracy, and yet he is a cat's whisker away from becoming a member of the Senate. He could still win and join other Trump-backed winners on Tuesday, including... I know it will be the honor of a lifetime to serve as Arkansas's 47th governor and the first female governor the state of Arkansas has ever Sarah Huckabee Sanders, whom you will remember, lied relentlessly to reporters and the public on Donald Trump's behalf when she was his White House press secretary. So it's a mixed bag. Some of Tuesday's Republican winners assuredly owe their success to the former president, but others do not. We have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. And we reject woke ideology. Governor Ron DeSantis of the Sunshine State of Florida, who has assiduously kept Donald Trump at arm's length and who, in his own right, won 60% of the vote in his race for re-election. In his victory speech, he indicated a war on woke might be a better bet for the Republicans in 2024 than tilting at non-existent election fraud windmills. We fight the woke. 
woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. And you thought it was where tourists go to see Disney. The smart Republican money is moving rapidly in the governor's direction. Rupert Murdoch's New York Post featured him in a front-page splash on Wednesday with a headline describing DeSantis as the future. In case the message didn't get through to Mar-a-Lago, Thursday's paper showed Trump sitting precariously on a wall with the headline Trumpty Dumpty. Asked at the White House who he fears more in 2024, DeSantis or Trump, President Biden with this one-liner. It'll be fun watching them take on each other. And indeed, Tom, it will be. Another big American week, courtesy of LBC's Simon Marks.